Welcome to the meeting episode four. I'm with Luca Finko, an aspiring writer and actor. How are you today? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. So you know a lot about politics, I hear. Who is yes. Julian Assange? Well, Julian Assange is well known for exploiting the truth about the three involving USA and Iraq, and it caused a lot of controversy because USA were saying, oh, he's a terrorist. But in my opinion, the truth had to be there. And if the USA are criticizing other smaller nations about how badly they manage their countries and them committing war crimes. And I think it's very hypocritical for them to say, oh, we're a good, good nation. But a lot of them, what are they doing with Julian Assange? It's just shocking, shocking, really. Can you describe what are they doing? Is there any examples? Well, they've imprisoned him and they've imprisoned him under the Espionage Act because they say he's a terrorist when all that happened really was Chelsea Manning sent him the information and he decided to share it to the world because it's important if we have whistleblowers to exploit this information and people to know because otherwise if we don't know about bad things happening in the world then you become part of a tyrannical society yeah exactly yeah so everyone's against Assange is this a warning to society well it seems like everyone is the media is top politicians are companies are well it's funny that you say that because recently there was a recent gathering of all Australians, all Australian politicians from all the Australian parties, and they went to the USA to discuss what was got, what's going on with Assange. Why isn't he being free? They're really pushing now, even the new PM Anthony Albanese in Australia, for him to be released because he's an Australian citizen and it's been too long. So he's got a really wide gathering, and it really came to my attention about three years ago in lockdown and. I just saw some people outside in London in Trafalgar Square protesting about Julian Assange. I didn't know who he was, and then my dad explained it to me, and I was just shocked and amazed about how the Western media kept it really quiet. I'm not saying every single newspaper or news organisation kept it quiet. The large majority. The large majority. Yeah, large majority. Yeah, the Guardian have been very supportive of uh, Julian Assange's um acts and he's done some really other good things as well he exploited child pornography as a hacker brought that to light and he exploited as well bankruptcy in iceland say as a bank was taking a lot of money he was the wealth wasn't being distributed well so he's his main the main message of wikileaks is truth wins really and it's about getting people to know about the truth because is there lessons that we can take from assange's experiences um, I think the main thing we can take from Assange is to always go for the truth and I think courage really, the fact that he knew that it was he was going to be in danger of exploiting this information, but the fact that he just went for it and it managed to gain a lot of attention and it brought to light a war crime just shows you how he wanted to do the right thing for humanity first over his own. It seems that there are more unjust incarcerations happening day by day, such as prominent figures like Donald Trump being indicted. What do you think about the quick rise in incarcerations? Do you think there, this is planned or something? Well, I feel like maybe some of them are planned. But if you take, for example, Donald Trump, I feel like it's well well deserved with, with him as a government, some of the stuff that he said, and I feel like he was in very fit for office but we are in america's in danger of having him again as president so i just hope that that's been sorted um 
I do feel like maybe the media is being very wary of who to censor and what were they saying. But I feel like I do feel like at the same time, if some of the view, views of a particular person or name isn't very open or not very just and their actions are very unjust, then yes, they should be punished. But I still believe in the freedom of speech for everybody. So if you believe in freedom of speech, do you think that the things Andrew Tate is saying should be allowed, for example? Well, I think they should be censored in a way. Yes, I do believe that you can have your own opinion, but I do feel like that the way the way that he's managed to get it out across a different wide range of platforms, across TikTok, Instagram, social media, some of them shouldn't be allowed but i do feel like in a way he is a big motivation for a lot of men to sort themselves out and he does make some valuable points but however some of his sexist and misogynistic comments should be really tarnished and brought to light what about uh, the rising popularity of deepfake technology for example let's say a malicious actor wanted to cast i don't know julian assange as a really horrible criminal who i don't know abducts women or something and they would get a deep fake and they would put that technology to work and send it well, on social media um, how would how would people defend against that well if someone wanted to do that i i think that's if you want to describe them someone in a particular light then i think that's bad without any prior knowledge speaking about movies and actors there has been a movie about julian assange that i highly recommend that anyone should watch. It's called The Fifth Estate and his Benedict Cumberbatch. He plays Julian Assange and it's about the beginnings of WikiLeaks and him and uh, this journalist from the Der Spiegel in Germany, how they rose in power and made them really famous and how he really gathered his information. He showed the positives of his character, the negatives of his character. And I think the positives were he's a very hardworking man. He's he's a good humanitarian, wants to find out the truth of what's going on in the small countries such as Kenya, Iceland, whereas some other journalists don't really dive deep into some injustice in some governments in those countries. And yeah, I think that for like it's a really good movie for anyone to watch the fifth estate. There is no doubt there is no doubt that the USA will dictate global policy for the next four years. If you are an American today, who would you vote for? And would it make the world more peaceful or more dangerous? I would vote for Ron DeSantis. He seems like a very good leader, um, not not as uh, lost as Biden and as well not as uh, far right as Trump. And he thinks he's quite young. He went, he's got a lot of like passion in politics. He was, well, he was the governor of Florida. So I think he's one of my favorite candidates if I was an American and he a lot more switched on I think he would he suits America more he, he makes America look a lot more appealing a lot more wide awake because I feel like with Biden at the moment America looks very sleepy lost sleepy yeah what do you think the world would be like if Trump came back to power if Trump come, came back to power I think that'd be a big win for Russia because I read today that he's thinking of abandoning NATO leaving NATO and he's thinking about scrapping the rule for NATO if one country is invaded then all other all other NATO countries help out so it would be bad for Ukraine and as well um, there'd be USA would be very controversial again there'd be widespread protests a lot of racial injustice even though he's a very good businessman I just think he's very unfit 
for office. What about the Russia-Ukraine war? Because February 3rd, 2022, there was the so-called invasion, whatever side you're on. I don't want to take sides, but I'm saying there was an invasion on February 3rd. Now it's 2023 and another war has happened. There has been two wars in the Biden presidency and he it doesn't seem like he wants to create peace. It seems like he's kind of fueling it because he's sending a lot of aid and he's saying these remarks such as Putin and Palestine can't win, for example. Well, I feel like that, it, despite Biden's sleepiness, I feel like America provided a lot of financial support and maybe Biden is not the best talker for speaking about both wars. But I feel like Ron DeSantis would really, he would continue the support for Ukraine and he would be more, a lot more articulate, very similar to Obama during his presidency. He was very articulate with his words. And I feel like Ron DeSantis has got the Obama, Obama-esque character of what, what America needs, really. And uh, with these wars, it, there, there's no, there's a chance it could spread conflict, but I feel like just as long as the world keeps supporting the war, and at the moment I'm going to try and investigate more, I'm still a bit unsure. I've heard a lot, in, especially in Western press, oh, Israel is being uh, bullied by Palestine. But then again, I feel like there's maybe more to it. Maybe Israel has done some bad stuff to Palestine over the past, but the, the press and the world newspapers haven't really been covering it much. Once the war is over, you can clearly see the narrative that they've portrayed. So I always think it is good to have an open mind on both sides to create your opinion. Yeah, I feel like um, the next few days I'm just going to investigate more about the Palestine and Israel. But with Russia and Ukraine, I feel like, yes, Putin started and invaded this war and Ukraine has been mistreated badly. But at the same time, I don't think all Russians are very supportive of Putin. There is a lot of um, Russians who who hate Putin and really want to move out of Russia. So I feel like you shouldn't be looking at Russia negatively. Most of them have been forced into war and enrolled into war and just told, go and just fight for your country when without any prime training or knowledge about what's going on, really. There is also an added risk of countries such as Iran and Afghanistan waging war against each other. If you were the president of the US, how would you diplomatically help them to get along with each other? Because people are scared of a war in the Middle East. Well, I think I think there's always land and religion in the Middle East. So if I was the president of the US, I'll definitely find out what the cultural differences and try and find a way for them to resolve it culturally or even just geographically. Maybe a land can be 50-50. I don't think, though, that if, um, you, as a president, I wouldn't invade again, because then it would con- cause a lot of controversy and it would be very dangerous, especially right now, and got involved in a war in, or Afghanistan. So I'd try and find the most um, diplomatic and peaceful issue to resolve the conflict. There are high crime and low wages in the UK. If you were the Prime Minister of the UK, how would you fix this problem in a span of five to ten years, positively? Five to ten years? Yeah. Well, that's a good question, actually. Yeah. Um, I'd probably say um, policing needs to be improved a lot, because I feel like police these days are more social workers. They don't really sort out issues and there's more crime. As well, make sure there's more youth activities for the youth, such as maybe open clubs, three sports clubs. They can go in, play the football as well, so that they, there's, there's less knife crime. 
and then like for, i think for growth i'd say more more investment on training and as well just employees um hiring people and i think i'm very very focused on much in the north a lot of the poverty in the uk is up north so and it's been overlooked so many times i'd use probably the money from the failed hs2 project to invest in schools improved policing and more youth clubs more activities and more sports for young people to be involved in and better education of other drugs and other dangerous substances education is one thing but what do you think about the money and the cost of living crisis because people are becoming more desperate and the government are still hoarding money like it's free so how would you fix the financial crisis because i think the financial crisis would fix everything else there was enough funding for the nhs for example we would have a good nhs system as well as the policing system the counseling system travel yeah so i think for the cost of living crisis i'll definitely invest more into their schools um i don't know really i don't know how i'd say definitely invest more into energy companies but at the same time climate change because at the moment i've heard it's very bad and we're, we're on the brink of devastation really and it's happening a lot faster than anyone expected so yeah that's what i'd probably do invest oh so yeah i'd reduce the bills of energy a lot and yeah that's what i would do how would you reduce the bills well i would half it and then i'll try and, and start investing more in eco-friendly ways solar panel wind uh water water-based energy services even though there's not been a lot recently i'll maybe be a do a bigger future plan to improve our renewable energy sources Critics argue that water, wind and solar are inefficient and the sun isn't always shining and the wind isn't always blowing. How would you fix their concerns, put them to rest? Probably what I'd do is I'll just maybe use like lithium-based energy, I think sort of similar to electric cars, maybe electric-powered heaters and they're quite cheap and maybe electric. I think electric would be my main source for energy. The unfortunate reality is that lithium-ion batteries are very taxing on the environment. So I wouldn't make that a choice because then it would defeat the whole purpose of clean energy if you're putting carbon in the air to store the energy Yeah. because you've got to mine it from like Somalia and things. Yeah, that's true. But I do feel like um, I think just wider research of energy sources and maybe a better improvement would be beneficial to the country. With the coming generation Gen Alpha, what do you think of the current internet culture's influence on them? It's going to affect them a lot, such as maybe TikTok trends that you've heard a lot of bad press about maybe some people copying a TikTok trend that could result in injury, death. And I think I'm glad I don't really use TikTok, but it really influences people with uh, fake news and it doesn't really give a good um, perspective of how people are in society it's just it's like a sort of like a facade for a life or like an imagination of what gen alpha hope is like that's what i think what about really rapid and you know echo chamber like influencing like uh, again andrew tate for example or uh, social media misinformation, or social media standards, so they're like really high standards that no one can accomplish, such as the current bodybuilding standards, for example, or the beauty standards. 
Well, I feel like with the bodybuilders is some of them can be positive. The positive is it could work harder on their bodies and reach better health and better looks to be more appealing and feel better about themselves. But at the same time, I feel like it could be very unrealistic for some men and they feel like, oh, if I'm even if they're slim and healthy, that oh, I don't feel great being in this body because I'm not as muscly as a traditional matrimon. And I think for girls, um, OnlyFans, I think, should be banned because it's a really unrealistic perception for women to look and be in a particular way and they're making um, easy money off the, their looks and nude, or nudity, which is disgusting, in my opinion. And I feel like AI I could filter a lot of these girls and these men to change their appearances, which would have a negative effect on the wider population. Now, these days, a lot of people probably just after their 26 started using YouTube can't maybe tell the difference between uh, someone who really worked really hard and is doing a lot of positivity on YouTube to, to, to promote maybe a particular way of living or having enjoying yourself, whereas I, I could really filter and change the way of people enjoying themselves in life or doing a particular task in a different way. Deep fakes will soon be indistinguishable from reality. How would we combat that in the sense of news and media? I think the best way to combat deep fakes is just look and at the video and just see the difference. Maybe there's a change in the way they're talking or, or the change in the way the video is made, just lighting as well, colour, um, as well check if um, it's the, the text item would use or if they've changed it or if they changed the wet, the filter of it. I think that's the best way. That's the signs to look for for deep fake YouTube and realistic YouTube. What about the rise of ChatGPT and other platforms such as this, like Google Bard? ChatGPT, um, I think it can be useful for some people but i don't I haven't really accessed chat gpt but i know someone who used it to plan out their workout but at the same time is, is it good for you or i just think that it could really add, especially in, in education even i've heard these days a lot of schools and colleges are checking now if um, online homework has been done by ai which is good because a lot of people could easily cheat and it could change the merit of their performance this uh, is the same as deepfakes, though, because they will only get smarter and smarter through time, and eventually it will be indistinguishable. So how would we actually discern what is human or what is AI? That's the pressing question. Um, I just I think that I think probably just censoring and just making sure that there isn't much power, really. What do you aspire to write? Where do you get your inspiration? I don't get inspiration. I'd say probably, I think mainly Julian Assange, but how he's brave to write about truth and without fear of people changing or filtering what he has said. I think that's my main inspiration. And I aspire to write mainly about sports because I've always been passionate. When I was nine, I started playing football. And then I was kind of lucky that for from 2014, till about 2020 i managed to play with a local club a bit i had won some trophies and then played for a very high level club such as enfield borough we managed to win two trophies one league cup and 
one league trophy and I did learn a lot and it gave me a lot of valuable skills such as hard work, motivation and teamwork. And that's why I like to write about sports. What do you think about the evolution of sports? The revolution, there's been some positives and negatives. So I think the negatives are definitely the money. As we saw in the summer, a lot of players moved to the Saudi league, which um, is showing how much money there's involved in football. The positives is, is that there's now a more, more modern way of playing. Even in the last 10 years, I'll give you an example. The goalkeeper before he used to be really good with his hands and do the basic goalkeeping techniques and skills. But now the goalkeeper is expected to be used fee and he's involved in the team play, which in a way has evolutionised football and has made uh, football a lot faster as a sport because now the goalkeeper can really start an attack from the back. Areas have really changed football, such as the 70s, Johan Cruyff, or if with um, how he evolutionised the Netherlands and Barcelona with his way of playing as a midfielder and how he would play quite deep and then Spain in the early 2000s. Do you have any advice for anyone, for let's say younger viewers or older viewers or things, from your experience? Uh, I think my advice is to um, really enjoy your sport and if you feel like you really want to take it further then look for a local club near that really uh, focuses on football technique, uh, football knowledge and I'm one advice but at the same time just don't put all your effort into football there's always a plan B so maybe find another particular interest that you like such as for me was writing and acting what is a quote from you that you can give to our listeners because this is a tradition on this show we get a quote okay. from every one of our guests for our listeners to remember you by yeah i do have one um comparison is the thief of joy and that's by theodore roosevelt i think that quote is very inspirational to me because it shows that i shouldn't really compare to others and i should really focus on myself and it, i think it applies to modern society today especially with social media what's your favorite dish and why your favorite dish yeah, yeah man this is a good one i would say oh so many oh i'd say um a linguine pasta because i just like the soft and the sauce how it just all combines well together and it obviously it's italian and it's very tasty and filling well, it reflects your culture doesn't it do love a yeah, good linguine. Any tips on making linguines? Uh, I'd say patience and just really enjoy enjoy doing cooking and make sure that you uh, just check the recipe as you go along. Really, just the basic things of cooking. Can you give me a short paragraph introduction to the world of plays and what it's like? Acting in a play or watching a play? I mean, watching one. You can do acting as well. Okay. Um, I'd say I've been to Patreon in the summer and that was a really good play it was a lot of energy atmosphere about russian history and had a famous actor back in the and do you know um tom hollander played lord beckett in parts of the caribbean if anyone didn't know and yeah he played um, boris brzezewski and it was a very interesting play to see how um uh, russia just changed over time the rise of the oligarch um, putin's very close relationship with roman abramovich and the evolution of Russia really and how Putin really made Russia to his own dictatorship but one of the news was wanted by him that play was amazing 
And then as well, um, I watched a play called, have you heard of Glory Ride? No, what is that? Um, there was based on a true story, this play as well, and it's about Gino Bartoli, and he, in World War II, delivered important letters to children who were being, especially Jewish children, who were being occupied and high, hidden from the Nazis and the, do you know about Mussolini's men who dressed in black? Yep. Uh, clothes yeah and how he did it and and in a way he did a little facade for them for them so for the Mussolini's men they thought he was a uh, sporting athlete he just but I feel like those plays are really um educate the audience and really make the audience feel like they know something better and it really uh... if you watch a film it's more like you're literally watching a film but if you're with a play you can see and you can feel and you can hear in reality, which immerses you much better. Yeah. For the play that I'm acting in, Windrush Generations, this has been the first play for me. And I've learned a lot, especially back history, where it's been really hidden under the rug. How did you get into acting in the first place? Well, it's quite funny, actually. Um, you know, um, at the Abbey Theatre by Westminster Lodge in St Albans, I just walked in and I asked uh, the theatre manager Tina um, if I could volunteer she said yeah yeah sure go ahead and just I just emailed her and then yeah that's how I joined the Abbey Theatre and then first play I say wasn't as major or as big as this one um because they've got three companies I had to act with the company teens and which about 12 to 18 year olds I didn't really have to learn any lines it was mainly improvised and I just played different characters. Seeing this play has been a lot more difficult with lines because I've had to learn a lot of lines, but I managed to learn it pretty quickly and stage cues and when to put the props. What's the hardest thing you did in a, a previous experience or something? Like the hardest thing you would do and what lessons have you learned from it? I think the hardest thing then that I'll do in the play that I did, the history of St. Albans, was. Um, sometimes I would uh, wait a bit for my line and I had, you have to go and really on the queue and maybe I wouldn't do a body action and what I've learned from that is to go in quickly on the queue but also make sure you pronounce the line well and as well make sure you get the body action I think I think from that, that play I've really um, my skills have grown and since then I've now been able to immerse my character with the line and the body gesture. Would you do anything in video production? Be an actor for that? Uh, I would actually if I um, had a lot more I think I'd get more pay done because I'm very new to act. It's very similar to theatre production, learn your lines and make sure you get a character involved. But at the same time you don't have a live audience so you can't really see their reaction. You'll have to wait until the end of the production to know how it went. So I think it would be definitely an inspiration of mine. You like seeing the audience's reaction, yeah? Yeah. Isn't that a bit intimidating, though? It can be. Well, it can be if you forget your line. You could see like some disappointed looks, maybe on their faces, or uh, shock. Or, and at the same time, like amazed or smiling, or like very, you can see they're very intrigued into your production has the best of both worlds and maybe in a way when you're um, doing a play you can just see oh how's it going and then you can like know if you need to raise your energy level or you have to keep your energy level low what's your favorite color 
favourite colour? Oof. Um, red, because I'm an Arsenal supporter. You know? Well, that's all. I hope you had a good chat. I enjoyed it very yeah, much. I, I hope to be on soon. And um, I'm looking forward to my wind rush play. <laughs> that's all I can say. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye.